Right, welcome back to the Midnight Podcast and what I think is episode five now. And I'm already finding it fairly fucking difficult to keep these consistent on a weekly basis, even though we're five episodes in, but we've got a lot of bangers lined up. And I guess this one was fairly last minute. We've got Adrian, who I'll let him, let him introduce himself in a minute, but probably similar intro to that I've done on all the previous podcasts. Like, I haven't seen you for what, maybe a year and a half? Yeah. But... I never knew 100% what you actually did. Like I knew mm. you were in the agency space, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Lived out in Dubai. But like I was saying before, I feel like these podcasts are really just an excuse for me to fucking speak to people that I think are doing interesting things mm. and just let them teach me shit for free. And exactly. then hopefully go off on a tangent and just get into some interesting stuff. But yeah, episode five. Scabious. How do I say your second name? I did the A silent. So I did get bullied quite a bit in school. So, so Adrian Adrian I did oh shit so okay, like because I, I, I've always been saying like A did Adid yeah and then people would make fun of me like Adrian I didn't and ha ha if you have if you've married a Pakistani woman you have a kid called Azif it'd be like Azif I did and it's like, like an- yeah fuck that's funny okay so Adrian Adid right cool um, yeah basically just I'll give you the stage tell us your background what you do, how you got there, and we'll just dive into conversation. Sweet. So, hi guys, my name's Adrian. Um, I run a performance marketing agency called LDX Digital, um, and we focus on helping uh, brands in the health space online. So, a lot of our clients are in the health, fitness, and wellness space, um, as well as medical is a big one for us. So, I have clients like uh, Mike Thurston, Cryptonary, oh, um, amongst a few others, and uh, mainly focus is on Google Ads. Eighty percent of our clientele. It's AdWords and shopping, but also we do Facebook and the other channels and SEO is a big focus for us. So, uh, and recently we've been doing analytics. We've just been trying to control the full the full circle and doing CRO and pricing experiments, the whole shit. So uh, yeah. Interesting. So you're a camera looker, I've noticed. Because yeah. when I'm doing this, I do not look at the camera at all. I'm an attention um, seeker. <laughs> yeah, it's the first pod in three years. Shit, I, I did not know... So Thurston's a client. Mike Thurston's a client, yeah. And how did you meet him out in Dubai? I'm gonna yeah, I met guess. him out in Dubai. Actually, it was Christmas um, Day. And um, yeah, I wanted to... I, I mean, a year and a half ago, I was like watching his YouTube videos. I thought this guy's pretty cool. He actually made a video about how he moved out to Dubai. Um, and, you know, I bumped into him um, and I had a chat with him about ads and what we do. And it was kind of 50-50. And then, you know, I used my... Uh, salesmanship or whatever it is and uh yeah um we met back again now he's working with us producing some awesome results and you know it's great to have a client like mike because i mean the guy's got such a strong brand Mm. and like how he is like in like the gym like you understand like hanging out with him you understand why he's got that freaking body yes he has amazing genetics but the guy is like so fucking damn disciplined detailed and he's actually like a nice genuine guy as well how he is on camera you know, you meet some influencers yeah. and like they're nowhere near what they are. Like, in, in, like they've got like this online persona, and then like when you meet them in real life, they're like twats. <laughs> but this guy, yeah, that's kind of what we speak about in episode three with Adam. <laughs> and like, I'm, you make that assumption about a lot of people, probably from the outside. Yeah, and this guy, like you know, I was semi expecting the same thing, but how he is on YouTube, he's exactly the same as how he is in real life. Yeah. So yeah, he's a good lad. And, I haven't, uh, haven't been paid to say that. I haven't been paid to say that, yeah. So, yeah, we've got. I should be working on his ads. Actually, not on the podcast. <laughs> so Facebook went down. Yeah, shit. F- <laughs> Facebook has gone down right now as of recording this. We, we spent well, it went down like two and a half, three hours ago. Facebook, yeah. WhatsApp, and Instagram, Instagram and fucking just... everything. 
and even just communicating for you to get here we have <laughs> yeah, to work out sms and yeah it's chaos just to go back then a little bit because i suppose yeah i told you just like free flow but i want to hear more about obviously you said the last interview you did was with iman yeah i don't know him in that world but like friends of friends etc and obviously he's smashing fred it. kind of went to one of his events we're actually mm. saying like three years ago and it's i think the same around the same sort of time that you mm. did that video yeah is that when you got into agency then like just go back to pre-agency what yeah, were you so doing and where did that come from pre-agency i'm a little bit older actually um you know i'm uh, approaching my late 20s um yeah. so i first of all um, i'm born and raised uh, in bristol um and i went into sales at pretty young age um so i did a year of uni dropped out and then for me you know i come from like quite a poor background so my mum's a refugee i lived in a council house um in bristol and uh, yeah. yeah, for me, the, the corporate route was where I thought success was going to be, right? So, um, you know, I got into sales quite young, did quite well, um, corporate sales, tech sales, um, event sales. And then, uh, yeah, I became one of the uh, top sellers um, and they moved me to my always dream when I was younger was to go to New York. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, at 22, 23, I was uh, in New York. I got an option. So I was doing really well. I became a manager at a young age, thought I was like smashing life. And I was like, what is the next step? And obviously living in Bristol at the time, I had like an apartment, like I had like, even though it was like a studio, but like, you know, I had an apartment, I had like, like, I thought it was like Billy Big Balls. And then I was like watching football every weekend, beautiful girlfriend and like, you know, great friends that I grew up with. We go out all the time, but I just felt fucking empty, man. Like, it, I was like, is this it? Like, is this my life? I'm going to be earning X amount and then going to get a mortgage and kids. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And who are you working for? Sorry. I was working for a company called GDS Group. And what do they do? They do like event sales as well. So court conferences, exhibitions, yeah. technology. So they, they get like, for example, an IBM to sit down with Coca-Cola, put them all in an event space and make them pay money. Interesting. Yeah. And then... I think I remember you speaking about it was actually in the old flat B151 yeah. which we were just saying like nearly two years ago actually I think you came around and I was having KFC mm. which might have been the first time I met you and you mentioned Wall Street yeah and I was like is this guy just watched too much fucking Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> or is that legit because yeah, I know yeah. nothing about Wall Street culture Wall Street work yeah. like what was that and how was that so like, that was with the same company that I was in in the UK um, yeah. and they had an office on Wall Street so when the 2008 financial crash mm. happened they were doing really well they got an office in 40 Wall Street at the Trump building and um, yeah um, I remember sitting down with my CEO one time as an appraisal meeting and he's like well, what do you want to do you're still pretty young you're doing good I said you know I want to move to uh, America I know you've got an office on Wall Street in New York that's all I've wanted to do since I was a kid Mm. right Um, so it wasn't in the finance space but it was still on Wall Street in a sales role and um, yeah he said okay no problem I'll get back to you so in my head I was thinking like you know maybe like a year or so yeah my VP of operations sits me down like two weeks later and he's like okay Adrian you can go to New York on one condition you've got to move next week yeah fuck like three four weeks and I was like shit I had my apartment girlfriend and then I remember being like depressed that day bro and just I went to the park um, there's a park in Bristol called Castle Park if any of you guys know Bristol and yeah I just sat down and I've I just I read I read The Alchemist and then I was like fuck like yeah, th- classic. Th- this is my adventure if I don't fucking do this now like you know, to have the opportunity from my socioeconomic background coming from a refugee family to move to Washington if I don't do it like I'm going to be kicking myself. So 
I went and did it. And yeah, bro, those first couple of months were really hard coming from Bristol, my bubble, my nest, yeah. my nest, having everything there to, you know, fucking people were making fun of me. They're like, yeah, who's this like dark skinned British kid, like this Harry Potter looking guy. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. I had to get thick skin real quick. You know, I was in an apartment, well, I was staying in a hotel in Financial District. If anybody knows Financial District of New York, it's like not much happening. It's like quite dark and mm. dreary. And yeah, bro, I was like, shit, I've got two options. Like, I just need to up my game. Nobody in the office really liked me initially because they're like, oh, he's a spy from like head office and all this <laughs> crap. We're a British company. Wearing a mask. Yeah, so I just, you know, I had to like work and I saw people, I saw some people with incredible work rates. You know, you think you're working hard and then you see people, you know, traveling two, three hours a day, smashing it for 11 hours a day on sales, making ridiculous money. And I was like, shit, like, and I upped my game, did well there. And then after, afterwards, they were like, right, we've got something going on in Miami. Do you want to go there? So, you know, I had a place in New York. I had a place in Miami at 22, 23. Um, you know, I was in between the two. And then I eventually sailed to Miami, you know, going out all the time, um, you know, living a good life. And yeah, things were good until the company decided one day, you know, actually, it's probably more cost efficient looking at Brexit and everything to have him back in the UK. So it was like the super high. And then it was like, like you're coming back to England. So coming back to England and I had a choice. Um, I actually remember, sorry, I'm just banging on. I actually no, remember- No, good, but we need, to get, we need to get content. You were too short at the start. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember walking into, uh, you know, going to an influencer party. Um, so I was trying, actually trying to hit on this girl and I was just going to it for full, full transparency. Going to an influencer party and I thought it was Billy Big Bulls earning a lot, yeah. you know, in Wall Street. And there's some guys who were entrepreneurs and, you know, they had this fat house and I was like, shit never again am I gonna let somebody tell me what I can do and where I can live and I was like embarrassed because I built a life in the states everything you settled there and I was like shit and then so I came back to the UK instead of like putting that money towards like you know they give you relocation money to get like a house and shit Hmm. I just put that money um you know into my business I moved back in with my mum in the same bedroom I was out when I was 15 there's like so many people like when was this sorry so like Three how, many, years how many years ago, ago? so 2018 yeah yeah so moved back in same bedroom as my mu- like i was when i was 15 mm. it was just so humbling and everyone's like oh, oh he was like he thought he made it now look at him he's back at his mum's fuck yeah. this guy blah 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 and i for like six months i didn't go out i didn't club and then party i like changed my friendship circle i just said like i just need to fucking go at this i bought the course and then very quickly i did quite well quit my job and then you know went to Qatar for a bit came back came to London and yeah now I'm living in Dubai and yeah that was the Sorry. start <laughs> I feel like that's a very long story that you've cut to quite quite a short description but I was going to say like first just going back to the New York thing then so you obviously decided to leave because mm-hmm. that was an opportunity yeah what happened to the girlfriend and life home at home did you just did yeah that fizzle I- out or like did you just literally say fuck this I'm going well, yeah, I mean, obviously my friends initially, like, of course, you know, I've still tried to keep friendly with everybody. And then obviously my girlfriend, it was hard on her because, you know, she, she loved me. I loved her, but I just, you know, at that age, I thought I need to take this risk. And, you know, in life, you, you get what you sacrifice for. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to make difficult decisions and yeah, um, you know, it was tough. It's really fucking hard. I'm not gonna lie, but 
you know, it's what you need to do sometimes. And, you know, I think if we'd been going out like three, four, five years, it'd be different. Yeah. But it was like less than a year. I was like, this opportunity came up and, you know, it's all I've ever wanted to do at the time is to mm. work on Wall Street. So, you yeah. know, I just did it. And, you know, I maybe could have gone things. I was a bit young. Um, so maybe I could have communicated things better and set a better example. But, you know, in life, if you don't take risks, nothing happens, bro. Yeah, true. Deep. No, it's true. That's the first nugget. So just go, stay on New York then for a second. I've been to New York once by myself, mm. like four years ago. I think I, think I wandered down Wall Street, saw the, the bull. Is yeah. that, is that, that's on Wall Street, right? Yeah. yeah. The bull ring. The bull ring. And then do you think, like you, you mentioned like entrepreneurs at a party and so on. Was that like the first time you'd seen... Yeah, it's the first that time kind of lifestyle I got exposed people doing that shit to that wealth. Yeah. Cuz I'm from Bristol, remember? So I've never been to Bristol. Yeah, like wealthy in Bristol is like if you're earning 65k a year. Yeah. 70k a year, you're like a baller in Bristol. Yeah. Like you're like a don. You're popping bottles at the club like Yeah, legit. So it just I got exposed to people, you know, earning crazy amounts. I got exposed to people living ridiculous lifestyles. I got exposed to super smart, driven people. And, you know, a city like New York, a city like London, they attract these sort of people. Hmm. And I think environment's really, 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 really important for me anyway. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are super successful and, you know, they live in like Southampton or somewhere. That's not that I'm shitting on it, but that's Hmm. fine. But I think, you know, for a period of your life, it is good to get out of your comfort zone, you know, get out of your hometown, especially in your 20s. Like, yeah, agree, definitely. I think we touched on this a few times in like previous episodes, but yeah, it's kind of, I feel like it's probably that, that, like that, that 60k, like popping bottles reference. I feel like that's the same in anywhere in the UK outside yeah. London, like as a general stereotype, and probably similar in like America, like outside what LA, New York, etc. But it's so true, yeah. I, I just think getting around like being exposed to that shit for the first time because I had a similar experience I did work experience mm. in a place in Mayfair mm. in M&A so mergers and acquisitions when I was 19 mm. when I initially dropped out of uni ironically studying entrepreneurial business management <laughs> back in like 2014 I dropped out after like six weeks and then managed to blag this placement like just, I got paid like £600 a month some bollocks but yeah, and that was the first time I'd seen like entrepreneurship, and I was like, "Oh wait a minute, you don't you don't have to be a footballer to make money to make like a lot yeah. of money potentially." So I think yeah, everyone probably has there's a time or an experience where you suddenly think, "Actually, yeah, fuck, maybe I should like do my own thing." And yeah, that sounds like that was yours. Yeah, and also you need space to become your own person, right? Yeah. Like you, when you live alone, you get to know yourself better right when you get out of your comfort zone you got to grow as a person and you, you need that exposure right human beings whether you like it or not we are social creatures right mm. we will act and imitate and whether you like it or not subconsciously or unconsciously you will act you will imitate you will be around the people that you're in so you know when i look at certain friendship groups like you know you guys with fred like fred and billy tyler there's a reason you know you guys are all good friends and you're all doing done pretty well right yeah if you look at, I guess, us and Divine Me, Aziz, us, and we all kind of hang out and we're all doing pretty well. So, you know, I'd even go as far to say that, you know, you are a product of your environment. And 
I think when I was younger, you know, living in a not so nice area, like, you know, where there was a lot of refugees and we were really young and then moving to a little bit of a nicer area um, later on, I, I saw how that effect has, you know what I mean? Like your environment, you're yeah. a product of who you hang around with, where you spend your time. Yeah, stereotype, but it's so fucking true, isn't it? It's pretty fucking brutal to say. And like that's, and I think in British society, we don't, you know, we don't like confrontation. Whereas when I went to America, when you go to New York, fuck me, like everyone's just in your face. Like, what do you want? How much does it cost? Yeah, different culture, isn't it? You've even got a bit of the American accent was coming through a few times. There. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So coming back to the agency then, because I feel mm-hmm. like that's probably why a lot of people will want to watch this. I, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I feel like agency, I know a lot of people that run agencies, I feel like it was the slightly more professional and next like online marketing opportunity after like drop shipping, which yeah. was kind of bigger, maybe a few two years before like obviously not the exact same but like genuinely speaking people that are in like the online space in my experience either run like econ brands or drop shipping or like have an agency mm. I've never done an agency I feel like agency is probably a lot better cash flow in many ways like I was speaking to my, my good mate actually he's run a lot of my ads mm. in the past and like yeah just like the fucking cash flow and profit is just insane especially because it's like pure profit because you know mm. well I think it is but so you obviously mentioned you came back from America mm. like had you planned to start Firstly, a business, and secondly, like an agency, and like, and ha- where did that come from? Because obviously, it happened, but it's mm. not that obvious to a lot of people. Yeah, good question. So, I was one of those people that I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? But because I was like earning decent money for my age at the time, yeah. I had a flat in Miami, and I remember like living alone in that apartment on South Beach, Eighth mm. um, and Jefferson still remember it um and i remember like i'd go to the bookshop like every week so there's a bookshop in miami called books and books and i can't remember what was the other the other branch name but anyway i, I used to go to that book bookshop i used to read books about entrepreneurship i uh canceled my net netflix subscription literally and like i had like you know those That's hardcore google play things yeah it's pretty and i literally plugged it into my tv and i'd watch like every week like impact theory ty lopez yeah. fucking every i just i just i just love consuming knowledge and because i lived alone and like you know i was like recently heartbroken i just like would just read every day like literally mm. i would like read a book a week yeah i was like and that's kind of what i was interested in then you know, I got into the habit of gym reading. So I had like a year of like just doing all that, taking in the information. But then I realized that I was one of those people that because I still had that like, you know, good paycheck coming in and you know, I was living in the States and, you know, maybe I was a bit more obsessed with other things than, you know, building myself. Because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of distractions in Miami Beach. I'm not sure if you've been. Yeah. <laughs> in the, the end of Tyler's episode, actually, we got onto Miami. I was just thinking that. Yeah. A so, lot yeah. of distractions. There was, and you know, I think there's two things. You can either get pulled or pushed. And I guess you could say that, you know, I was pushed. I was, you know, I remember sitting in my apartment thinking, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? And at the time, the worst thing that could happen to me is that I have to move back to the UK. Yeah. And that pretty much transpired. And I thought, I remember like, just like not wanting to talk to my friends. Like when it happened and the company made the announcement, I like, didn't want to talk to anyone, bro. Like I put my phone on like airplane mode. Everyone was iMessaging me. People wanted to check in on me. I felt like embarrassed. I felt like ashamed. You know, my visa thing, I've got like, you know, 30 days or 20 days to That's leave the, the country. Yeah. Just that. And it's like, 
And then it's like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my hometown, which, you know, I thought I progressed from. And yeah, it was, it was a really, really, really dark time. And it was a really, you know, I'm in a foreign country. I'm all alone. I'm in this empty apartment. And like pretty much my future's just been pulled out. It feels like anyway. Yeah. And I remember, you know, reading Ryan Holiday's Obstacle is the Way. And I've read that, yeah, classic. And I said, you know, the the path, I think the obstacle to, in, in, to impediment is the way. What stands in the way becomes the way. Yeah. And I remember reading that quote and doing my walk on South Point Park. And I was like, look, like, I've got two options. Like, either I can just fucking, you know, go on benders and, like, drink everything away. Or I can, like, use this opportunity that, you know if you believe in a God that God's given me that, you know, the universe, whatever I have now. And I can really try and aggressively grow after my dreams because I always kind of knew corporate life wasn't for me. Hmm. But, you know, I was one of those people that would always talk about it and be like, yeah, eventually I'll be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually I'll do something, but I, I wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, I'd probably still be working at that company, happy with my wage if, if that shit didn't transpire. So did you, could you have stayed in America in a different job or was it like because of the way the visa worked or whatever? I mean, I, I could have got another visa applied for, but I'd have to go back to the UK and it would yeah. be working for the competitor and it, it just, it would just be, at the end of the day, I'd be doing something that wouldn't fulfill me again in the day to day. Yeah. So I thought, right, you know, I'm in my early twenties. I'm never going to get this chance again in my life, mm. you know? if I'm going to start a company, it might as well be now because, you know, when you do it in your 20s, like, there's no, there's less risk. But, you know, if you're older and you've got kids and you've got a mortgage and you've got fucking dog and whatever, it's, I'm not a dog, but, you know, yeah. it, you can't, you can't be as risk averse, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I don't think you answered the first question. Sorry, bro. You, no, it's good tangent, but, so when did you decide, like, so did you come back assuming you'd be working for the same company in the UK? I was still working for them, but in my head, I, I was yeah, like yeah. looking at courses, you know, I was looking at identifying the business models and it was between drop shipping and SMMA. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I've got the sales experience, mm. you know, I, I like, I'm in the B2B space. So I just pressed ahead with the agency um, you know, and then when I was in, when I was back in Bristol, I would like work the normal hours, my job. I'd probably be annoyed if I said this. And, but then like yeah. in the evenings and weekends, in my lunch breaks, like I was trying to like meet clients, sign them up for like retainers. Yeah, yeah. Do that sly thing. So how long were you doing it alongside your job in the UK before I went full time? Like two months. So not long at all? Yeah, I was motivated. <laughs> yeah. And that was that off the back of a course? Or did, were you yeah, literally was, on YouTube? It was a off the back of a course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a back. It was a back. Off, it was off the back of a course, bro. Like, um, I did a coaching session as well with a man, and basically, I was like, right, I know what I need to do, and I did it, and then I got the course, and then I was like, just let me. Go. I like it. because I put myself in a position. I was moving back in with my mum, yeah. which you know, back against. The I wall. love, I love my mother, but you know, from having your own apartment, living in New York, Miami, going to the Hamptons every yeah. other weekend to like. Now you're back in your your mum's room in Bristol. I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's a wake up call. I was like, I just, I, that that was my only and entire focus. I, everything else I, I really wasn't interested in. Yeah. Shit. And then 
Who was your first client? Do you remember? And how yeah. did you get them? My first client was actually yeah. a local um, grocery store. Actually, it's like a vegan shop in my area. Oh, really? And I remember like just telling her about ads and everything, and like she'd never run ads before. And was this like Google ads, Facebook ads, Facebook ads back in the day? Actually, social media and content as well. So I was doing social media management and content, yeah, and doing Facebook ads, and it was so freaking easy back then. <laughs> Yeah, and, and just like targeting businesses that knew nothing about it. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, offering. I remember like one day, bro, I literally just got like, I just literally went to every store on like local Bristol High Street and I like bought like a coffee or a small meal. And I just said, hey, like, I actually really enjoyed this meal. Um, you know, I, I found it really hard to find you. Do you have Instagram? Do you have Facebook? Yeah. Like, oh no, I don't really understand. I was like, well, you know, I'm advertising. Let me do it for free. Like, you know, let me give you a free audit. And did that. And like, I just remember like getting appointments daily, daily, daily. I was just, I guess that previous sales experience where yeah. like, I was just, I didn't really care about rejection. I just go, go, go next one, next one, next one. That's how we were trained. Yeah. So that helped. And, you know, very quickly, you know, applying it to the agency knowledge and the knowledge I got in courses. And of course the massive relentless action um, yeah, that was the foundation for my agency. And then when did you, what, did you hire people? At what point, like freelancers? Yeah, I hired media buyers, um, you know, freelancers yeah. to fulfill the work because I always knew that I wouldn't know Facebook ads super well very quickly. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, let, if I focus on sales, I can get cash flow and revenue. Then I can get the media buyers to fulfill the work. Yeah. And then I can hop on the calls and everything. And then, you know, I was doing, I was playing to my advantages, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that was the foundation. And was that, where'd you get those media buyers? Because like, I mean, geez, probably a whole episode talking about how to hire media buyers. Crap God. Ones, ones. Like, where did you start with that? Was it like Upwork? Yeah, like Upwork, Facebook groups as well. And then I'd find people who, you know, maybe weren't as far along in their agency journey, but like yeah. maybe knew a bit more about ads than me. Mm. And, you know, I'd, I make them do some test ads. I just interview them, and I'm like, right, cool, you do it. Yeah, pay them per client, so it didn't affect my direct cash flow. Yeah, nice. And then when did you move out of your mum's house? What was the next move? Yeah, um, I guess the next move was I went to Qatar because I have some family there. I thought I'd get some clients out there and meet some people, and did a few consulting gigs here and then. But then I came back, and I was like, get focused. And then like it got to a point where I was like, I was, going, I was getting the train to London, right? So, you know, the hmm. first great, actually I was getting the coach because I couldn't afford a train. Yeah. <laughs> so I was getting that National Express. Coach. Have you ever been on the National Express coach? Well, actually not to be fair. It's, uh, yeah. And then when I was doing a little bit better, I started getting, you know, the train. Um, and I was going to London like every other week to like meet with clients because obviously clients in London can pay more than in Bristol. Yeah, right? And they believed a lot more in online marketing at that time than, you know, the ones in Bristol. And then I was like, I need to be in London. So spoke to some friends, uh, had a spare room. I moved to London and then it's like, when I moved to London, bro, it was, I was like surrounded. I had like other people who are entrepreneurs. I could talk to them about stuff. Mm. You know, it just felt like, anything was possible and when was that exactly i think it was like six months later seven months later no so like 2019 moved to london six yeah. months later and that's probably actually a very similar time to when i moved to london like april 2019 i think it was which fuck, mm. was like two and a half years ago which is absolutely flown by yeah but it's interesting you say that because 
I've started getting a load of DMs off like, I mean, I used to get like, I don't, I don't really have a personal brand, but like, well, I don't at all, but um, still used to get a load of DMs. I mean, I, I think it just attracts that. Like if you have do anything and there's pictures of anything online, like yeah. 16 year old boys message you saying, how do you do it? But recently since I've been back on Instagram, started getting a load of stuff again. And like mm. one of the key questions is, and actually a guy asked me, I think the other day, he was just like, I don't know what his name is. I don't actually know what he does, but clearly some guy like maybe 18, 19 years old. And he was just like, I'm feeling really stuck. Do, do you think I should move out of home? And I was like, well, I don't know your situation, but as a general rule of thumb, in my experience, and you'll probably agree, mm. like living, well, first like staying in your hometown in general. And I'm, I'm not saying it's because you shouldn't by default, like hate where you're from, whatever. But no. I mean, I come from York. You probably had a similar experience. Unless you in live Bristol. in Birmingham or some shit. I'm joking. But yeah, you yeah. shouldn't hate But then you should never live. You shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't pollute this city with your, with your accent. But yeah, I just think, I mean, London's the obvious one in the UK, like yeah. by far, of course. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, what I'm saying is it's not a stereotype. Like it's fucking facts. Um, I, I think particularly for entrepreneurs, I, I can't yeah. speak so much for like, you know, maybe a bit more traditional route. Like if you've got a grad job or whatever, because in many ways then I would think it was kind of retarded to want to live in London because especially now, like your yeah. rent would be so much and Ridiculous. you get paid the same, you can do it online. But like, yeah, e-commerce space, digital marketing space, just genuinely, if you're like actually want to be an entrepreneur, it's like, yeah, fuck, if I didn't move to London, like, or initially goes to like an event in Singapore like four years yeah. ago, which I credit as like the first butterfly effect. <laughs> it's actually mad because, yeah, like what would I be doing? And some people, it's weird because like you have to be self-aware to realise that you want to move, especially when you don't know anyone else in that place yet. Or and anything. it's scary. So, yeah. If you don't know anyone, bro, you're, you're like so out of your comfort zone and like... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it, it is really hard, but then also it's like the potential costs, right? It's like the, yeah. the opportunity cost of you not living in. That's the thing. A lot of people like, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'd move to London, Adrian, but like, you know, this, but you know, like rent, but like this. But then I'm like, what about the opportunity cost of you missing out on opportunities, on clients, on like maybe dating an awesome person? There's so much, people don't consider like the upside loss as well of not moving. Yeah, very true. I think that's just, that's kind of a deep point actually. I think that comes down to like, certainly in the UK, just like culture, doesn't it? Like people yeah. will point out like, it's very much a pessimistic kind of tall poppy syndrome country. Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, if anyone's, oh yeah, it's, it's like, get get back in your fucking box, mate. Who do you think you are? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what you say, Bristol, like, so. Yeah. It is that culture and it, it's hard and it's in, it's a lot of negativity and whereas I feel like in other cultures you know it's you know in America you're encouraged to go out and take risks bro like yeah you know everyone's trying to do something on the side you know Americans learn from a young age how to like invest because they have to because the government's not going to support them later on yeah fuck very true you know there's no you know college colleges are like 200k you know what I mean? Like, yeah, inverse, it's so it's, like no healthcare, no healthcare, bro. So like, you know, you're going to get a fat bill. Like, if you lose your job, you lose your insurance. So like people are like scared to go on vacations and take vacation days. Yeah. Fuck. We've got <laughs> a whole episode about like controversy <laughs> of American politics, but probably get shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So moved to London. Yeah. Where did you live? What was the first step? Did you, you mentioned you just got a room with a friend or? Yeah, I got a room with a friend um, in Shoreditch, kind of where I was in, Old Street. 
So initially that was pretty cool and, you know, stayed there for a bit, which was cool. I really liked it, but, you know, Clerkenwell's great, but I was a little bit further away. Everyone seemed to live like over here, this sort of area. So um, then I moved again to just at the end of border between Battersea and Wandsworth. So I was like in the e-com zone because you guys were here. Yeah. Fucking everyone's in (laughs) Estonia. Yeah, I don't know if that's just like our small like friend of friends circle or whatever, but yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> maybe it's just because everyone I know lives in Southwest. Yeah, that's it. Like either like Kensington, Chelsea, Chelsea, like Fulham at a push, Fulham. like Battersea, pretty much. Yeah. I just don't really know anyone that lives outside of that. Maybe I should get to know more people, but... Because everybody was going here and everybody would meet here and then we'd all play tennis like in Battersea Park and then lockdown and everything. So it was just... I don't know. I just I thought you know move to this side of town. Um, that was great. Yeah. And then yeah, we had the uh, good old COVID. <laughs> Fuck man, that, that did mess things up. To be fair, well, like a year and nearly two years. Yeah. Like, well, year and a half. I remember went for that bicycle ride that day. Do I remember that? Me, you, and Fred. Oh shit! Yeah. 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 Oh At yeah. At the start of I COVID that. and going down Sloan Street. Yeah. yeah. And that was like fucking quiet. Yeah. Shit. Interesting. Right, just bring it back to the agency then for a second. So, mm-hmm. client-wise, were you targeting specifically like you mentioned like shops on the high street and so on? Yeah, I started off with lead was, gen. Was that just easier to get? It was easier to get and it was easier to fulfill. Yeah, it was easier to get them as clients and it was easier to fulfill. And so, you know, that's what I started with. Um, and it was lower ticket, and it was great for cash flow. So, I did that, and I got my teeth went into you know understanding how ads work mm-hmm. understanding how you know online and then it got to a certain stage where i was like shit if i want to grow i need to like you know go into where i can get where i can charge more because like you know if you're charging you know a local restaurant a grand two grand you know in bristol that can eat into their cash flow right yeah so then i was like i need to char- target businesses that have more money um, so I slowly started transitioning into e-commerce. So when I first did it, I did a few free gigs just mm-hmm. to get experience. Yeah. And then, you know, just to get that brand on there. And then, yeah, started going after e-com companies. And um, initially, Bennett Winch was one of the first clients that were pretty good. You know, they're in the new James Bond film. Um, they're suit holders. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. And then once I got that one, it was like momentum, other clients. And then I helped, I helped a startup company go from zero to pretty much 2 million ARR and you know they had a great product but we switched them to a subscription service a monthly one yeah that just helped blow up and then it just kind of like I feel like the work of the last two years just compounded and I started getting better and better and more clients and then yeah I remember sitting down with Arslan um, in his apartment in Mayfair and we were like I was like bro I need to move to Dubai I don't, I don't know why I just woke up and I was like I just know I need to be there and I having lived in a sunny country in Miami yeah um I I I realized how much effect the weather has on me personally and I just thought you know it is a risk because I've got a good thing in London but then I I just felt myself getting comfortable you know doing the same things going out on the weekend Mm. you know going to the same places which isn't it's not anything wrong with that but I just I could feel myself just you know you know when you just you can feel yourself being comfy yeah and I was like shit I need to I need this change so there's after my birthday um and I said yeah like let's let me and Arsene basically on a whim decided we're gonna go move to Dubai and 
pretty much everybody fucking followed us. <laughs> yeah. So when was this then? Sorry. So just before lockdown or just as lockdown started? Before lockdown, I think we decided that we were going to go to Dubai regardless. Yeah. And then, you know, we wanted to wait until it got cold in the UK, September, October to yeah, go. Yeah. So I think I had my birthday. Um, and then I was like, right, we were going to move. And I was going to move. Then fucking I got COVID. So I had to like, oh, shit. I like disappeared for like yeah. three weeks. So Arslan, is it Arslan? Arslan. Yeah. yeah. I know him from Instagram. I've never actually met him personally. So you, you were both living, were you both living together? You were just friends in London? It, we were friends in London. Both running, running agencies. Yeah, both doing, running agencies. Yeah. yeah. Same with like me and all the guys doing e-com, I guess. Similar dynamic. And mm. then, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, it's like, where was the agency at just before, at this point, before you decided you want to go to Dubai? Like how many members of staff? Like, and I had well. like four people, but mainly contractors. Yeah, you know, graphic designer, two media buyers, an assistant helping me out on sales. So it was like doing good, but it wasn't like doing really well. Yeah, right. It was like okay, you know, it'd have some great months, and then we had some slower months, and then it would. It wasn't like booming. Hmm. You know, it wasn't like consistent, and that was because like I wasn't like booming. I wasn't like consistent. Yeah. And then Dubai was what, September 2020, pretty much a year ago? October, yeah. Bang on a year ago then. Bang on a yeah, year, shit. yeah. Actually, I think I remember you messaging me. Well, I don't know what the context was, but there was a conversation, you said we're going to Dubai. I think it might've been about like a flat or something. I think I think it was because we said Connor was moving out. Yeah. Of the old flat. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. the one with the Pomeranian, who we, yeah. called, we call him Goose for the past thing. <laughs> if he's watching this, I don't know where the fuck that came from, but it was fucking funny. Um, and then you were like, yeah, we're going to Dubai. And... I don't really know Dubai too well. Like, I definitely mm. get the appeal of sunny weather, but like particularly now, like I was just saying to you before we started recording, like fuck. Yeah, it's fucking horrible outside, fuck. Jesus. Yeah, like when London goes, well, when the UK in general just, yeah, like winter's not nice. I fucking nah. hate winter. Like it goes dark at like half four. Obviously we're not quite there yet, but mm. yeah, I mean, I've been to Dubai three times maybe. Last time was in March 2020, just before covid and i remember being scared thinking like this covid is, is this well not being scared at the start and then thinking fuck is this covid thing like actually like gonna kill us all or what it was yeah. just before kind of everything kicked off and mm. we came back just in time but yeah like how's the dubai been like what are the pros and cons do you think because a bit of me sometimes thought like fuck should i mix it up particularly when it's winter in, in london yeah as you said and just go to dubai but i don't know yeah i mean dubai I've I've been before, so you know, you know, my family's from the Middle East partially. I always used to go there when yeah. I was younger, so I was aware of how good it was. In my old job, um, I used to look after the MENA region for a couple of projects. So you know, I'd go to conferences in Dubai and do things and meet people. So I always knew that it was good, it was safe, and you know, having family not too far um, really encouraged. It was it kind of made it easier for me, right? And yeah. because I mean, in the winter here. I don't really celebrate Christmas. My family's Muslim. So I was just like, I knew I knew it was good. And I didn't really go in there with a negative mindset. I just thought, let's just go for it. And honestly, for me, it's, I mean, you can see the effects. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, I think again, it's like the environment thing, bro. Like, you know, I'm I, in Dubai, I'm at a dinner. That guy, you know, has a hundred million dollar company that has, petrol stations which maybe the UK could do with yeah, I was um, gonna say yeah fuck. that guy has a shipping company that has 20 million a year that guy does this that, that's that and I'm just you know I'm like shit like I need to raise my game you know my rent's more 
than it was in London. Yeah. Um, you know, the lifestyle costs more. Mm. What I want to do, everything is more. Uh, and, you know, living with Arslan as well at the beginning, you know, I saw his work right, what he's doing and I was like, shit, like, you know, it's like when you and Fred live together. Yeah. You just, it just... That healthy competition. Yeah, healthy competition, but like also it just, you know, the environment just kept pushing each other. We just wanted to grow and, you know, I was again, I was in a position where like, shit, I really, really need to up the stakes. Mm. Like, you know, Dubai's not cheap as you all know and you know I wanted more I wanted to do these experiences I wanted to meet people but you know Dubai the network effect it's just ridiculous because it is somewhere that attracts a lot of successful wealthy people Um, and so you know you get to meet some really interesting people some really lovely people um, you can meet some not so lovely people as well. Yeah, same with anywhere. You know, it, it. You know, it's great, and it really helped my growth. And I fixed a lot of the things in the agencies. I, I got better staff, better media buyers. You know, who actually got real credible experience. Um, and then, yeah, that's when you know, kind of the agency took off and started rapidly growing. Yeah, shit. So you planning on staying there long term? Yeah, I know um, a year now. I yeah so you know I'm I'm going to be in Dubai I think for the next three four years definitely um, I'm a, a little bit older so I'm not sure if like settling down that would be the place just because like you know yeah it's different like you know uh, coming from a working class family and then I go to Dubai Mall and kids are wearing Balmain like three yeah, old with Gucci and Balmain <laughs> like, <laughs> do you think like Dubai compared to London then obviously both like very wealthy successful places like which one like is Dubai even more of that do you think as like a percentage of people I feel like there's a higher compare? concentration of high net worth individuals in a smaller area so for example my neighbour downstairs like he, he owns two the two floors next to us yeah so he's literally next door and he's got the bottom floor he's a Singaporean Chinese billionaire right and he's yeah. just knocked down walls, got permits. He's building like a pool in the area, like on the actual apart- apartment block. Yeah. Like he's got like a huge balcony the size of this apartment. You just get exposed to people like that. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of it. And because it's safe, I feel like Dubai is really safe. Like if you get caught stealing in Dubai, like you're fucked. Like, so people yeah. don't mind wearing Rolexes, Richard Neal sharing their wealth. The other day. I think it was my uncle actually. I had dinner with him last week he's like mm. entrepreneur I don't know where this came up you just reminded me because I think he met I think the conversation was Dubai I spoke about Dubai mm. and I was like ignorantly said oh, I was is it safe like, I don't know and then he was like was it him it was someone telling me that some story of mm. someone leaving a, a really expensive losing a wallet or a watch in a mm. nightclub and then it being in the same place three hours later yeah because people don't steal because people don't steal I mean there's so many CCTV cameras in the country and like if you steal like you're gonna get fucked like the police do not fuck around yeah so like people are so scared that like you know everyone just obeys the law but like it's great because you know if my girlfriend's like walking home at 4am I don't really worry you can like leave your doors unlocked like it's that kind of safe yeah yeah interesting I haven't really thought about it before I suppose it's safe because people are going to lose their arm if they get caught stealing. You make the penalties high and it's just, you know, things like drugs and all that. You don't see that a lot in Dubai, but it's because, you know, they will just deport you. You know, if you're, and it's guilt by association over there. Mm. So like, you know, if you're friends with somebody or you're hanging around somebody that's doing that, you're almost as guilty as the person doing it. 
Yeah. So, like, they don't care. There's no... So people Different just, culture. like, you know, they stay away from all that shit. Yeah, interesting. And then the weather then, because you mentioned you like you like to feel better in the sun. I mean, I definitely agree. Like, not necessarily heat, which is why mm. I'm not so sure about Dubai myself, but certainly sun. But, but does that get old, though? And, like, do you think it's productive? Because I read someone that said... I don't know what it was. Like, I'm, I'm citing all these made-up studies. I think. <laughs> but like, something about colder countries being like economically like more productive on like a, a statistical basis. But I mean, Dubai is probably a, an outlier. But like, is it better? Do you think it it helps a lot? Or it it depends on the person. I mean, there is a side to Dubai. I mean, you got a lot of people who party, go to beach clubs, and all that. So yeah. like, you know. Yeah, typical Brit who lives in like fucking Sheffield or some shit goes to Dubai, goes to the Five Palm and like yeah, blows yeah. all his. That's me. That's <laughs> that you know, um, yes, but then also there is a side to Dubai where it's like you know if you're an expat, you do work hard, and the week starts Sunday to Thursday. But then also you know if you're working with international companies, they're Monday to Friday, so you end up working Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's your only real day off because the week starts on Sunday. Oh, officially? Yeah, officially. The week starts on Sunday in Dubai. Oh, interesting. So it's Sunday to Thursday in the Islamic calendars. Oh, okay. Because the holy day is in Islam is Friday. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's, you know, and you know, when people do work, you do, you do have to work there. You know, the life is expensive. That Okay, yes, you don't have to pay tax, but, you know, they say Dubai, you yeah. get taxed other ways. Yeah. I mean, do you think if controversial question well not really but do you, do you think if it was the same tax rate as the UK you'd, you'd see the appeal as much look it's a big factor because it's one thing that a lot of people talk about and it makes a lot of sense for, the, for certain people it's don't get me wrong it's a big 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 factor and anybody who says who doesn't and is living in Dubai is pretty much full of shit but like yeah. also I, I don't know I kind of I just like the environment I like it, it feels familiar for me because my family's from around that region right yeah. so going to Saudi Arabia as a kid in the summer going to like Kuwait going to Bahrain like it just it felt a bit more homely for me and it's just opportunity right it's a newer it's a it's obviously a modern country but it's like the UK in its, you know, when, when Britain was building the empire, right? Everybody wanted to come, you know, there's everything was happening. It was on the rise. They wanted to take risks. There's easy access to credit. Things were getting built. You know, the infrastructure, there's just so much opportunity and people want to do things, right? Like, you know, it's okay. Go start that freaking business. Go do this. Go do that. Anything's possible. Like when I'm there, I genuinely feel like anything's possible. Yeah. Do you think there's a... I don't know why I'm going on like a dark fucking <laughs> tangent of Dubai now. And I like Dubai, but I've been there a few times. Like, I'm probably not the biggest fan of it, um, but I don't think... I haven't lived there of any other like, holiday. He's going to be moving soon. Well, you heard it here first. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> like, have you ever seen a darker side to it? Because obviously, like... And again, this could be complete propaganda, but like you see it in the newspapers, like, you know, Dubai has all this great stuff, but then all these fucking Indian workers are getting paid 20 pence a day to make all the great things. Yeah, you know, there and is it's that. it's all polished, pushed under the rug, so the, to speak. There is that, but then also the nation of the United Kingdom of Great Britain was built on slavery. <laughs> That's a big statement. So if you want to yeah. so if if go into it, if we were honest about it, you know, 
people i mean the indian workers there are definitely some people from india Sri Lanka, but there's some people that don't get treated well and get taken advantage of the vast majority of them though they get paid their set amount and they send their money back to you know international remittances and you know in india you know they have two houses they have cars they're supporting their family they're doing really well and you know these guys all have free healthcare. you know they all have access to all the services and they're doing a lot better life and they're actually able to support their families and people are back home you know Mm. the uk when they were building empires you know where you know the the french the belgians the modern empires you know they would literally slaughter africans they would put them on ships chain them rape the women it was awful so i i don't like the you know what i mean the comparison it's like yeah you know of course in any nation that's up and coming there is a bit of that but it's just different right you know poverty in the united kingdom is you have an iphone yeah very and you can't true. pay your bills very true right you know yeah. that that's what's going on at the moment so it's just different perspectives and of course you know if you see the press everyone's always trying to demonize someone else and there are negative yeah, sides true. yeah i definitely see that that's, that's a good answer um because there was that just like picking up on that then because like yes and again this is probably like just press propaganda to an extent so i want to get your opinion but like there was that famous story i think maybe two years ago or whatever something english bloke that like was in a bar yeah and whatever accidentally touched a prince or something like that and then he like was locked up for like six months like is that legit like does, does that stuff happen or is that just one thing that's been taken out of context uh, and just look if you go out looking for trouble yeah you're going to get trouble you got to remember look number one it is an islamic country right so you know wherever whichever realm that you're in whichever city you have to respect the laws and you know the laws in the united arab emirates you know in certain states like dubai abu dhabi you are allowed to drink there are bars there are nightclubs there are beach clubs there are fucking yachts look at fucking models instagrams you can do anything there yeah very true but you know if you're gonna get drunk next to a mosque or like, like you know, shout or confront an Arab family, like you know, or some kids, like then you know, looking for trouble, then yeah, like you know, pe- you will get arrested, right? But that's just the law of the land, you know. In the UK, <laughs> you know, people are allowed to say whatever about whoever, freedom of speech, right? Mm. And that's the laws, and you've got to respect the laws yeah, it's of where difference. you are. And it's just, and it's not that one's better than the other; it's just different. And I think you know, we need to do a better job of I mean for example when I, when I lived in the States bro everyone's like oh I wouldn't live in America you guys fucking there's gun crime and all this blah 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 you know it's not safe and then when I actually lived in America um, I remember my Uber driver's like where are you from and I'm like oh I'm from the UK I'm from Bristol and people are like oh like you're from the UK you guys like let immigrants in and you have terrorist attacks all the time yeah so it's like you don't know until, number one, you don't know until you actually live and experience it. And I always implore people to get first-hand data. And number two, it's like, normally it's not as bad as you think it is, or what is said in the press and it's yeah, in their interest. Yeah, there's always an angle in there, and ultimately, yeah. And just test it out for yourself, you know what I mean? Obviously, if there's like a war going on, like, you know, if, if you go to North Korea, it's probably true what happens. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, don't fuck. That, yeah, I went, I went to South Korea like a year and a half ago. We went to the border. I think we were talking about getting, doing the day trip over to North Korea. But I was just like, nah, I just think with my character, if we were to like, I don't know, get drunk and go to North Korea, it might not end well. 
it's a nice it's a good like high risk concept but yeah Jesus Christ you, yeah, you, there was a few few stories about like American students going missing or something it's kind yeah, of very fun. steep and but that might be propaganda though like you have to be open I mean I, I don't think it is but not not that story not just that story but like what we just said you know North Korea might be a really nice place and, and the West like the UK America particularly are trying to just demonize it for whatever reason we don't actually know so like if you yeah if you want to have yeah like I'm not saying that is the case <laughs> fairly controversial but yeah you've got to be open to ideas haven't you and it, just look at everything with a pinch of salt I suppose that's yeah in the news about countries and so on exactly because there's probably a, a motive somewhere I mean I stopped watching the news bro it's just so negative oh jeez yeah no nah. I don't watch the news you know you switch it on and it's just it, I mean it's always something it's that it's like terrorists then it's like covid then it's like fucking serial right and it's just like this and they're just finding this new thing and i'm like i just don't need that in my life yeah it's actually so true fucking hell like you probably speak about that for like half an hour itself because like i don't know if you found this but like i'll like see my parents and i probably don't see them enough but and oh then like, do you not watch the news or whatever and I'm like, no, I don't watch the news. I intentionally no. don't watch the news. Why would I want to, like, particularly stuff about COVID, like the amount of arguments I've had with my parents, genuinely my parents and other people, but particularly them about COVID. And it's like, there's a correlation between like fear of everything mm. and watching the news and people that don't watch the news and are genuinely more like optimistic about the yeah. world. And I, yeah, I just think whether it's truth or propaganda if it's making you that scared of everything which I feel like the people that watch the news religiously are they're just fucking scared of everything then you should probably stop watching it you gotta control your inputs bro yeah like you gotta really look at not just a lot of people look at their diet for like food you gotta look at your mental diet you know you following like useless influences that are like making you feel shit about yourself are you watching shit tv or are you reading good books are you having good conversations are you you know mm. doing knowledge like learning the right knowledge positive stuff obviously mindset is a big thing in entrepreneurship just as much as action is as well yeah like which i think this podcast helps with a bit yeah true yeah, it's actually, I think that is probably one of the, like, I guess, like with anything in life, people fall into like one of two categories. Like, obviously, in like entrepreneurship and non-entrepreneurship, it's probably like 99-1 to, mm. to draw like, I mean, not exactly, but like a rough line. And yeah, it's just, it's a different conversation about the world. Yeah. I, like, I, I always find it funny and like, I feel like people that are watching this fall into the 1% or trying to be like, the 1% in terms of people that actually pursue stuff not just like financially but like just making their own shit and so on and you have a conversation with someone that is a bit more normal or whatever just I don't want to call like a fucking civilian but like <laughs> what is it that Cause Cause it's, it's no better or worse but it's just I, I used to say civilian like frivolously but it is civilian. fucking true in terms of like wages <laughs> yeah like normies or civilians or whatever and god and and what I mean by that is it's not about making money or not it's just a way of thinking and an mm. outlook on life like in my opinion you could be a fucking artist that lives in an igloo but you're not a civilian if you look at the world in a productive like go get away mm. I think is kind of the point but everyone that 
falls into that civilian inverted commas category like they'll have the same fucking view on covid generally speaking they'll have the same view on everything they watch immigration maybe like money like just everything is basically the same and it's like well there's a you you probably have that view because it's like the herd mentality and it comes from like ultimately like the source is like the news everything the government puts out and like I'm not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist but like there's a clear pattern yeah and it's I think people don't want to take responsibility for things you know I, I I love I'm British I love my country I love what it's done for me my family how you know the UK took me and protected me gave me everything you know coming from a single mother but there is a big sense of like entitlement in this country yeah it's huge like true. people well I, I, I love the it, but it, it's that mentality, right? You know, we have free healthcare, which is great, and I hundred percent support. But it's yeah. like people want things done for them, like you know what I mean. Mm. I am entitled to this. I am entitled to that. When the reality in life is, you are entitled to nothing. You have to go out there, earn it, make it, whatever. Right? The world's a black canvas, and you got to go out there and paint the picture or the masterpiece that you want. And it's going to be painful and it's not going to be easy and there's going to be peaks, there's going to be troughs, there's going to, but each and everything that you do is learning. It's that hero's journey. You know, Joseph Campbell, the book? Don't actually. So it's in Ray Dalio's Principles. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I've read that, yeah. And it's like, you know, you've got to go through that journey of like everything goes to shit, then you have a big thing and then you've got to like slay your dragon to like understand who you are, then you become mm. a boss and then you go through it again, it's ups, downs, ups, downs. Yeah, fuck, there's ups and downs, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, shit. That's a good quote, like blank canvas. I like that. No, mate. I need to read more, to be fair. I just, I find it hard to, it's probably why I started the podcast because I feel like I'm a conversationalist. I like Mm. speaking and listening to podcasts and shit, but like sitting down to read, it's not really my forte. It's hard and the only reason I did it, like, is because I was just like, I had nothing else to do, bro. I was like bored. You came back to Bristol to build the empire. (laughs) So, obviously we spoke about Dubai a bit. Um, what was the, obviously you said like the obviously good weather is one thing like being exposed to billionaires etc 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 whatever it is and I think that's super important hmm. like w- what was the change in your business though so just bringing it back to the actual agency like day to day what so, changed that obviously sounds like the last year has been really good we've grown a lot hmm. what was the biggest difference the biggest difference for me um, is that I had a look at the services and you know there were some services that were offering that weren't really playing to me or my agency's strengths you know we were heavily reliant on Facebook and I could see this switch coming I could see what was going on with Facebook I could just see the problems that were happening so I made a choice to consciously uh, you know double down on Google AdWords um, and you know it just happened when all this shit with Facebook was happening and mm-hmm. you know my main concerns were getting AdWords sorted out, getting Merchant Center, getting shopping done, and then also, um, you know, looking at SEO. So doing SEO for our clients, and then also, more importantly, CRO, you know, hiring um, an analytics executive just to understand what the hell is going on in the conversions, right? Yeah. Because, you know, coming from the agency world, and I think the online space, there's this, like, people like are obsessed with Facebook ads and obviously like it's great and you know I love 
Facebook, what it's done for me, what it's done for you. Mm. But, it, you know, when you have AdWords, the high intent data, intent driven purchases, the analytics, when you get the UTM sorted out and the tracking and you put it all in analytics and you can give your customers better visibility, better data, yeah. and you can prove it to them and you have better media buyers and you're just, it's the details. I became more detail oriented. I was looking into everything, right? Mm. And doing that, it just helped. Um, we worked with some clients um, and we really, really, you know, he's a good friend now. I'm actually staying with him in Knightsbridge. I mean, we- um, Handy friend. Yeah, handy friend. Um, I would drive his Porsche, but I can't drive, so I need to learn you that. You drive, fuck. I know, mate. Madness. So right, though, I get driven. You can't, even, you can't even rent a Lamborghini. <laughs> can't even rent a Lamborghini and post it and be like, five palm, come meet me. Yeah, legit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I worked with um, a big client. Um, they started off small actually, so they weren't really making too much online revenue. Uh, they were in the medical space and yeah, we took them from zero to 20 million pounds in revenue uh, in less than a year. <laughs> what are they selling? Face uh, masks? No, it is COVID related, yes. Yeah, okay. So obviously it was right time, right market. Yeah, so we did that and you know, I mean, I just learned so much, bro. Like suddenly I went from, you know, managing less than a mil in ad spend to now, you know, I've managed like six mil in ad spend. Yeah. You know, we were pumping it in. The guy, I learned a lot because we were like, we were at AdWords, we were at SEO, we were analytics. I was doing Bing ads. Bing, yeah. Shit. You know, I was looking at everything. I, I, I gave up because people get attached to, you know, this is an e-commerce owner. People mm. get attached to businesses, right? They get attached to like, channels yeah like oh facebook facebook this facebook well how the fuck do you know like look at the data right yeah you know okay yes it does get some it's good for the brand building but is actually good on conversions it it depends for each product right yeah but adwords shopping you know seo i definitely think adwords yes i spent a lot in the past on both but yeah i think now because i'm I'm about to launch a new brand in like two weeks and i don't think i'm even going to touch facebook to start with i'm going to get adwords and tiktok is the plan um, so are you not running Facebook at all now then? Is that what no, you're we do, do still do Facebook, just, but it's like 80% is AdWords at the moment, yeah, bro. interesting. Yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know what your experience, you'll have way more experience with me, but AdWords feels, well, it was more consistent for me when I was running it. It's the consistency. Yeah, it's the consistency, the support, and it doesn't go, Facebook and go, yeah, and very then you true. don't know what's going on. And then, but whereas AdWords, it is super consistent, right? Yeah. I know and I can expe- I can make great expectations with my clients. I can deliver great results. You know, it's the customer support's excellent. It, it is more boring to manage and difficult though. That's the annoying thing. Yeah, with I've Facebook, actually never run Google myself. Whereas yeah. I did a lot of Facebook myself in the past. With Facebook, you can like set the campaigns every day, check in on them, optimize them. And yeah. You can kind of, you know, manage the, the scale of the spend. You've got these techniques, but like you can, it's not too much. Whereas Google, if you spend more, bro, the, the work goes through the roof. Yeah. If you're managing like 3000 keywords in one account, it's just like, fuck. And it's not nice to sit there and do keyword analysis <laughs> reports mm. and do negative keywords and shit. It, it, I mean, I enjoy it now because I'm good at it, but. Yeah, you're getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Have you run TikTok at all then? We've tried Just TikTok a few line. times, but I've tried Printest. That's been quite successful. Yeah, I've done Pinterest in the past and Snapchat less so. Hmm. TikTok's interesting. I've not run it much myself, but yeah, just speaking to people saying it's like 
10 times cheaper than Facebook. But it's obviously when you're, when you're a platform, so it's kind of pros and cons, younger audience on average, although he's getting older. Mm. Um, I, I probably spend too much time on TikTok myself, but yeah, it's interesting where Facebook's going actually. Because Facebook as an app has become like, at this point, like MySpace. Mm. And I feel like Instagram's now going where newsfeed went mm. four or five years ago. Mm. And TikTok is now like replacing Instagram almost. Mm. So then it's like, fuck, what's coming next? Well, that's the thing. You got you to gotta stay consistent, right? Like you got to be testing new channels. You got to be even like organic SEO. People fucking ignore it. Yeah. People I, sleep on I SEO. that 100%. And, you know, if you spend a lot at the beginning on AdWords, you know, SEO, you don't see the results until four or five months from now. But then once you do, bro, you don't have any ad spend. Yeah, fuck. So, you know, a lot of people... And I, and I have this conversation with clients a lot where they're like, oh, Jim, we don't do SEO. We're not going to get results immediately, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you won't. But then fifth month, sixth month, you know, if you're generating great results and it becomes your number one channel because you've got to optimize. And obviously it depends on search volumes, et cetera. But if you've got to optimize right, you know, you've got, you now have got a number one channel organic that's generating most of the revenue with zero ad spend. Yeah, for it to be fair, like I've never really, yeah, I've, de- I've neglected SEO and organic in the past, but like, because my logic in my own mind without really knowing anything about it was and correct me if I'm wrong like yes say I get to to fucking number one listing on X product which is yeah might take months or whatever Mm. but there's still going to be all the the ads above that and then when you're doing Facebook ads as well bro like your visibility that's going to organic somebody will see a Facebook ad and then three weeks later they will buy but I mean like is there any point in focusing on organic when I could spend months getting it to the top of the organic section, but there's still ads above it. Or are you saying if it's on like the first page? If it's on the first it's page. It's as good as an ad. Yeah, exactly. If it's on the first page, because a lot of people do scrot, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, they, and, and they'll skip the ads sometimes. You do have those people skip the ads and they'll just want to go through the number one thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, fuck, that's interesting. I was doing that earlier, actually, because I was looking to sell my app. I've got an iMac that's fucking broken, so I got a monitor. Um, mm. But sometimes I'll do the opposite. Like if I'm mm. looking for a supplier for something, which I've been doing recently, work on this new brand, mm. I'll only click on stuff that is running an ad. Because mm. then I'm like, there must be a legit yeah. business if they're mm. running ads. Mm. Whereas the ones that are just like coming up below, it's like, well, I don't know. If, if they're not running ads behind it, I think mm. they can't be that big or reputable as an yeah. organization. So it kind of works both ways. Yeah, it works both ways. And I mean getting the back backlink sorted out, ranking number one. I, I mean, I think it's one of the most powerful ways. Um, and then another thing we've done is we're heavy into YouTube ads right now. Obviously it's easy because we're doing AdWords. But yeah. again, YouTube traffic, so cheap. And you know, YouTube, when somebody, when you're running YouTube, somebody's sitting down, they're watching a video, they're engaged. Yeah, right? it's, very true. It, it's intent, whereas I feel like with Instagram, in fact, people are flicking through. And yes, it does. It's still a powerful platform. Don't get mm. me wrong. But... That's the thing, I think, you know, working with bigger clients and obviously once you get one big client, you get introduction to others. Now, you know, we're working with some crazy clients and, you know, generated what, probably like 27 mil the last year for our clients and revenue, which is, it looks like a big number, but it, it's just about managing it and, you know, growing and testing and it, everything compounds, right? So maybe Matt, when we first spoke, I was still like working hard. It just didn't, you know what I mean? Mm. But now everything's compounded and you stay consistent. Yeah, so do you think you work 
more or less now than you did when you first started the agency? I think I work more now because like employees and like the yeah. time zone difference and it's just a lot more spent. So it's like, you know, when you're managing that much mammoth and spend and like AdWords goes down on Friday or Facebook, yeah. it's like, but I'm, you know, focusing on more of the things that like I'm good at, right? Which is cool, but yeah, it's still, I think the same work, right? Yeah, interesting. I have a question then, because I've worked with like, I reckon, I think literally seven different agencies, mm. which is probably not, probably not, that's probably too high. <laughs> that's not a good number. Number eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, like se- literally probably seven different agencies mm. um, across Facebook, Google, whatever, over like the past three and a half years maybe um mm. the fact it was seven obviously meant i had six bad experiences but uh, <laughs> like and, and it's always and i feel like I, I know the drill with agencies now so like i was actually speaking to a new agency the other day about this this new brand i'm working on like and instantly i'm just telling them like i'm not doing a fucking retainer like i've been there done that mm. and i know your tactics like this mm. is what i want to do if you're interested let's do it or not so yeah, like, what's your experience with that? Like, how do you price for clients? Because mm. I feel like a lot of people watching this probably want to start agencies or they're just yeah. genuinely interested in how agencies work because they don't know how to run their own ads, but they're not sure if what agencies are telling them is bullshit because they haven't been through the mill yet and have bad experiences or good ones. Um, mm. So what do you think works best from your end and the client's end? And, like, how do you do it? Do you have a mix of different... Is it just really case by case or what? I think it's got to be case by case, right? Because each business is different and obviously performance when you've got a performance retainer it's great because obviously if you make more the client makes more you're incentivized but then it gets to a certain phase where like a client's turning around they're like agent i can't pay like 100k man like you know you're making them they're like i'm not paying you like because then you know what it's like with cash flow and econ so it depends it's you've got to mix it up you've got to really sit down and be honest with the client and i'm like Okay, yes, you sign a three month, six month, but I, you know, what are you happy with paying each month consistently? Right? So yeah. it's going to be different, and you've got to review it sometimes with each client, right? Because you, you know how e com is, bro. Like some, something fucks up in China, and then all of a sudden you're not getting inventory or, yeah. you know, this. So it, it, it's tough. So for me, I do a mix. I do a, I can do a higher flat fee and lock it in or we do a percentage of ad spend manage and that works really well with Google because you know the more work we're fulfilling the more etc and you know it's yeah. much better that way and then obviously you got to customize it a little bit because every business is different you know you have some businesses like app businesses where there's high mm-hmm. um, you know there's no fixed costs yeah. but you know if you're like a, a pure e-commerce brand and you've got shipment, you've got fulfillment, you've got wages, you've got, you know, you're waiting for cash flow, payment processes to release funds. You know, you've got to work with something is consistent. And the thing is that you have to communicate with the client. You can't just, yes, we are an ads agency, but it's not just about the ads, bro. It's about fucking everything, right? We have to look at everything, the customer experience, the website speed, you know, the time to shipping, the delivery, and I have to be involved in these conversations, you know, and I become mm. so involved in the client's business and because I actually genuinely care, yeah. then, you know, you will separate yourself out because, you know, if you're in it just to make a quick buck or just to like, you know, you'll get found out, right? It's not fun, right? It's really hard, grueling work, but it's rewarding, you know? To be able to take a business from zero to 20 million in a year, it's great. You know, another business to 2 million AR, great. It's great, you know what I mean? But it comes with sacrifice. Yeah. 
And you have to be open, you have to be honest, and you have to be willing to compromise as well in the conversations. And you gotta be fair, right? And this is why I always say to clients is, you know, I wanna be fair with what it is, you know? So there's been cases where, you know, I could have clearly overcharged the client. Like, mm. clearly, they wouldn't have known the better, but I just wouldn't have slept well at night, personally. You know, I know yeah. some people can just fucking rinse people. I'm not one of those people, right? Um, and, you know, yeah. I, you know, I undercharged them or, you know, a client had something happen the other day, inventory. I just said, you know, don't worry about this month's retainer. Just come back to us when you're good. And I know that's like the wrong business thing, but like... Six well, yeah, I think it's the right business thing because... Like I've had bad experiences with agencies where they have just clearly haven't given a fuck about problems mm. that were happening or whatever, and it's left a really bitter taste in my mouth. And then they're not getting a referral. Exactly. Whereas good experiences, you get referrals. You know, leave everybody with a a positive note, right? So, yeah. okay, yes, I give a I give like you know I forgive a month's retainer, but then two months later I get a big referral from a big client that they worked with, right? Yeah. And you know, people remember that last effect that you had on them and yeah you know as long as you work hard you're honest and you're fair with people you you, you can go far you're gonna have to make compromises and just own up to mistakes right i'm not out here saying yeah ldx digital doesn't make any mistakes the best no we, we make mistakes you know but you gotta own up to it right yeah and you know say hey look i fucked up it's my bad i'm not gonna charge you a retainer this month or hey it's a bit mad we're in a bit of a shit situation let's just pause or end the contract for you. Yeah, because I actually had a, this wasn't an agency, it was, it was a freelancer and I'm not going to say his name, but he's not watching this, but <laughs> I don't think highly of him and I'll tell the story. So, well, long story short, so he was running the, he was just a freelancer, so it wasn't an agency. Um, so he must have been making a ridiculous amount of cash, to be honest, which I mean, fair play to him. Like at the end of the day, he was doing a good job. He, he was really good at Google. I, I'd never done Google myself, so... Mm. I'd worked with him on previous brand Midnight City. Then he spent like, I think two million quid on on Neon Beach over like whatever it was, a year, a year and a bit. Um, I then referred him loads of clients. Like I was probably paying him consistently. Bear in mind he had 10 plus other clients, like at least eight to 10 grand a month mm. for like at least six plus months when it was like a peak scale. And it was like a percentage of spend based on ROAS, like a, a tiered deal. So it was like, because... I think like you touched on earlier, like originally it was going to be like, now we're at the scale we're at, I think spending like, I think it was 200 grand a month on Google at one point. Mm. He was going to be getting paid like 25 grand just to run Google. And I was like, mate, come on. Like (laughs) there becomes a point where granted it's it's a percentage, but like I can literally hire, I can hire fucking seven in-house people for that. Yeah. And like get them from Apple. Mm. So he was pretty fair with that. And and like we tweaked it a little bit, whatever. But um, then when, when all that started going tits up, watch episode one. Um, and I basically told him like, yeah, um, gonna have to fucking like cut the fees, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Like he just wasn't having any of it. Cause we had a contract and it was like minimum three month notice period. And I was like, it just felt really unreasonable because mm. first I'd worked with him for over two years at this point. I reckon my business had paid him personally 200K plus, maybe mm. not 200K, like at least six figures like mm. personally and he's a fucking freelancer for god's sake so yeah. it's crazy money um i'd referred him probably four people that were actively paying him at this point mm. all decent amounts and he just could not give a fuck like i remember him just sending me like just really corporate like this is our contract blah 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 like basically you know i'll take you to court if you don't pay me like all this crap and i'm there like the business is 
getting fucked in the ass right now. Like I'm trying mm. to be like reasonable here. Like, I'm not saying like sack it off. And he just wasn't having any of it. So, and yeah, to this day, like there was never an amicable resolution. I think, yeah, I think it went to court in the end and I think it's still pending actually, but, <laughs> but I haven't heard from him. And yeah, but, but, but the thing is like, I just think that was a really bad way to handle things from his end. And I then told all my friends that I'd referred to him, like, you know, sack him off. Like, yeah, make, that's make, what happens, Make bro. a fool of him. Sack yeah. him off. And a lot of them, I think, did. Yeah, they did. Of course. Or if they didn't straight away, they suddenly thought, oh, Christ, you know, this guy's a nut. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want him involved in my business. I just thought it was a really bad way of doing things. And he it, it just... Because obviously, yeah, there's a line between, like, personal relationships and business or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's people transacting it's humans it's humans like everything on a screen or whatever it's at the end of the day it's two people or a group of people trading like yeah. fucking giving one thing getting another back and I, I'd been really good to him I thought over the year or two we'd worked together and he just couldn't give a fuck and to this day it leaves mm. a bit of taste in my mouth exactly and you know that's I think that's the case a lot with agencies is they don't have that human touch it is still a yeah. business you know and you know, people remember the effect that you had on them. People remember, you know, your brand, how your business feels, you know, what you've done for them, the effect, that feeling. And, you know, doing the right thing, doing the right thing when no one's looking, right? Like I've had periods, yeah. you know, in my business where I couldn't afford to like not let him pay that retainer. But like, I just, I was like, you know what? If I was in that position, I'd do the same thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I'd like the same thing. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm getting this huge deal for X amount because that person I left a good time. And we all talk, bro, as well. So like, I think I remember there was a guy who did like admin work. He like pitched me. And I think he worked with you and Tyler. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name. I know he is. And you know, the first thing I did, I did need help. And the first thing I did is message you. I think you're busy. Then Tyler, I asked him, I was like, can you vouch for him? Is he good? Yeah. And then Tyler said, yeah, like I can vouch for him. And then yeah. I, I was like, cool, sign him up. Yeah, so true. Yeah, fuck. It's funny because my mate's agency, um, who, who I worked with previously, I, I like jokingly, I've probably said it a few times to him now, um, I've like referred him so many people, did him a fucking really good video testimonial. Mm. And I was like, come on, like, well, he's probably fucking watching this, but <laughs> do, do, do you think in that scenario... If you're getting loads of referrals from the same person, you should be giving them a cut. Is yeah, there a point I give where, a cut. Maybe not a cut, but like yeah. X amount, just, you know, fucking here's two grand or whatever. Because you've is got that it, fair? Yeah, you've got to incentivize people. Anybody, any one of my clients that refers people, I either give them discount of their next month's retainer. Yeah. Or I give them extra services or I just give them a referral fee. And you just got to incentivize yeah, people yeah. in the right way. And, you know, that's how business that's the fundamentals of business bro before we even had like laptops and fucking this and that and wi-fi money you know we were yeah, like caveman true. you know you somebody would do you something and then you give them a cut and then somebody would help you it's like when we were a caveman if i went out and hunted food and then i got it here and then like you didn't have food i'd give you the food but then next time you went out and hunted food you'd remember that i give you food and you give me food and then it's like yeah, the network fuck. effect that's so true you know it's 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 built in our dna to be like that yeah I, I, this could be a whole lot of discussion but I do feel like because of like the whole Wi-Fi money thing and like obviously <laughs> it's true but like everything's so accessible now yeah. and people were wanting to start businesses online almost so they can like avoid speaking to real people and I, I was definitely probably guilty of this mm. and still am maybe to an extent 
because like my experience of I'd never had like a corporate job previously mm. obviously you did um, mm. and it's weird because like there's so much opportunity now online like, you can literally start a business at like 18 yeah. or, or even younger like on your fucking laptop um, but at the same time like, everything's so accessible to the point where people forget that like you just said yeah it's just people if you take away like the it's laptops beings, and shit yeah there's a human being at the end of the screen I know yeah. people in Dubai who've legit made like five six million by not talking to people just, just doing crypto yeah. and like they don't leave their apartment and shit and they're just happy doing that yeah it's mad I mean obviously that works for some people yeah um, but yeah I think the problem is I've, yeah I was definitely worse at it before but like you know you say you get into like drop shipping like I did back in the day like you make all this money online but then it's like you buy a click funnel shirt yeah exactly but, but then you want to like fucking grow it into like a more legit operation you got like hire people and, and I, I wasn't bad at that like speaking to people I think I've always been decent at that but like some people yeah it's just weird I think it's going to become more and more of a problem for, for, the, for the next generation because people are growing level. up only online yeah. particularly because of COVID it's got even more exasperated mm. and people forget that like all this social media like all this online business and everything's moving online to an extent. It's still just people with technology between them. Literally. It's not technology without people. Do you know what I mean? You're managing people online. You know, they're still a human being. And to that, you know, point, my business didn't like blow up until I hired awesome people and I had to accept yeah. that, you know, I'm not going to take all these personal profits. I'm going to like, you know, make sure that I hire good people and pay them. And there was a point where actually some of the people were earning more than me. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people wouldn't do that because of ego, whatever, but like it was a short term pain for a long term gain because then, you know, they felt good and they helped bring on even more business. And you, know, you don't want to be the smartest person in your business. If you really want to scale it, right. You want to have better people around you. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, hiring's fucking hard. Oh, bro, don't even get me started. I've got like, some nightmare fucking, stories about that uh, from like the past year in particular, but it's probably not <sighs> probably not the right time to speak about them. There's one in particular that's in my mind. I want to just talk <laughs> some shit about this person, but yeah, anyway, I'm, this person blocked me on LinkedIn after I got rid of them and like, yeah, they burnt a lot Very of bridges. Mature. Yeah, they burnt a lot of bridges and I just still pisses me off a bit, to be honest, but I'm not, not going to speak about it on this podcast more than that. Um, but yeah, hiring's fucking hard. Like, I have not figured that out. Um, the thing with hiring is, like, you can read all the management books, you can do all the courses, and, you know, and in my old job, I was, like, managing people, yeah. and that helped a lot. But, like, until you get someone through the freaking door, you are not going to know. Like, they, I've seen people who've interviewed so good, spoke so well, and they just weren't producing good work. Yeah. And then I've seen other people, bro. Like, I've literally judged them. I'm like, this guy's dressed like shit. Like, you know, honestly, he's got a haircut from the 1950s. <laughs> and then, like, he just smashes it. He's like a workaholic. Yeah. And he's detailing and processing. It's, and I mean, I was, well, I think I was, I was with Tyler and Fred uh, the other day. And I was like, guys, I'm having fucking staff problems hiring. And they're like, literally, Adrian, we're all having the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking stressful. Because, like, yeah. Jeez, I'm just yes. I, I had some nightmares like in recent months with that, but like with anything, you learn from it. Innit? Because I think as well, when you get getting started, like agency, econ, whatever, like you can do a lot yourself. You can like leverage yeah. 
obviously by definition leverage the fucking internet and like you know you're not trading your time for money but and you can also like automations and stuff you can, i reckon you can do like a few million a year oh yeah like by yourself basically particularly 100%. in e-com maybe not as much with like fees with agency i don't know but mm. like th- the same premise so you can definitely scale like ridiculously by yourself but then yeah it becomes a point where you got to fucking hire people and it's very 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 hard and yeah. i definitely i'm pretty inexperienced with that to be honest like, i've hired a lot of like freelancers and more like casual roles mm. but like when it came when it comes to like trying to hire like like this person i was talking about was an in-house media buyer which is why it was an even bigger <laughs> nightmare that is and yeah anyway I won't, I won't get too into that but it's it's hard hiring for like roles that are like really important mm. and obviously everything's important but like say it's like just you know customer service agent is like slightly less critical like you can step in easier like you know mm. you can change it easier but yeah could, this was after I'd worked with like seven different agencies I suddenly thought fuck, fuck I'm gonna go in-house media by employee wouldn't do it again mm. but again you live and learn yeah you live and learn I think that media buyer role is the hardest thing I've spoken to other people who managed that, that it's just that is one of the hardest things to hire and then when you do have a good one keeping them happy they keeping them engaged or they want to start their own agent yeah. like that's or their the own thing brand. so it's it's thing is though bro people think things on social media looks easy you know you look at my instagram you look at your instagram you're like oh yeah fucking this guy smashed what they don't see is like the fucking hours of shit and people and yeah of course things not working and like hiring issues or like fucking google going down or shit like that that we have to do the, the reality of it or the entirety of social media going you know, down the entirety of social media coming down and then like i don't know if it'll be back we've been recording for an hour and a half it went down like, like four hours ago I had a guy call me and say like, Adrian it's down and I'm like what do you want me to do call Mark Zuckerberg and be yeah. like yo listen <laughs> like fucking yeah I saw that the Facebook domain was for sale so I don't <laughs> know what's going on there like, people are saying we were saying on Twitter earlier that this is like the biggest outage ever yeah. so uh, this could be the next COVID like maybe the government's planned this I don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe social media is gone for the next two years now mm. can you imagine that would fuck up everyone but yeah, no. there's no point in getting a Lambo then right yeah <laughs> shit exactly that, that's probably an interesting debate like how many people would actually do that if they couldn't put it on social media yeah it's a weird you need to learn how to drive first I know I, know, I need to learn how to drive I think we should do a podcast of maybe like you no know, carpool karaoke yeah yeah, yeah. like when we drive learn how to drive in Tyler's Lambo in Tyler's Lambo yeah yeah I should do that you I might, that. might have to get like some special insurance <laughs> can you imagine that'd be crazy yeah that, I thought be you should do that good, good clickbait for everybody to watch innit yeah definitely right to start wrap things up then because I kind of this is a simple well, episode 5 but I've started asking a similar question at the end like where are you going with is LDX LDX yeah, digital, okay, yeah. good I've done my research um, what's the plan what's the vision for this like how long do you see yourself doing it is there like a grand vision or is it really just playing it by ear at the minute like yeah so for the the goal the for LDX is I really want to grow it in the MENA region um, you know, I feel like that Middle East, North Africa region, it's ripe for growth. Um, we're working with Arabic clients now. We've got Arabic media buyers. We have our new Arabic website coming out. Um, and I really want to build and grow that. And I want it to become a force um, in that Middle East region. Yeah. So, and then obviously that could lead to an exit, could lead to other things. That's the focus mainly. And I don't think this will be like my only business. I will transition into other businesses. Mm. But I feel like there's a lot that I can learn 
Um, you know, and I can use other things that I've learned to transition into another business, which will mo- most likely be like a fund or you know something along that lines. And you yeah. know, I want to I want to be working in the Middle East in some capacity. You know, on different and I just being in Dubai has exposed me to like you know physical businesses, right? You know, once you've yeah. built that cash flow, it's like you know you you can really make money doing anything, right? But it's just I don't know, like you know, people watch youtube and they're like oh yeah i've got to i've got to wear a fucking aura ring and like you know do this yeah so true <laughs> i think yeah like physical business I th- I, like yeah i feel like our generation mm. it's probably forgotten that y- they exist like yeah you can you could you can actually start a restaurant it doesn't have to be like an sma agency or an e-com yeah you can you can you can start a restaurant you can start that but that's the thing is i, th- I feel like yeah I think the world wants original ideas and there's just not enough people with original... It's the same problem. Like one person does something. It's like when people say, I help X do Y. And Sam yeah, Evans yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone fucking does it. But then it's like, what if everyone does that? Yeah. Like, what is it? Sam Evans says, I help yeah, X make wildly yeah. profitable. That's what everyone yeah. fucking uses on their landing pages. Wildly profitable without doing X. And then they have like the same profile picture and then they like wear the same clothes and they buy an aura ring and then like they post the same motivational quotes and I'm just like, yeah. what are you doing? It's so true, actually. Fuck. That's funny. You can speak about that for a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, and they have like true. the same message that they message everybody. Yeah, it's, like, it's true. Yeah, so focusing, uh, I probably shouldn't go on a tangent now, but are all your clients now in the, is it the MENA region? Um, a good majority of them are in the MENA region. Yeah. So like I'd say 30% and I think 70% are like UK, US, UK you, being You want to bring it to like 100% eventually? Um, yeah, I want to, yeah, shit, that's, that's very true. Like, I, I wouldn't even think about that, like North Africa and stuff. Cause like, I think I was reading about like Stripe acquired some like African payment processor like a few months ago or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, you kind of forget that there are markets like that, that are only going to grow. Like yeah, in and India and Africa, India and Africa are like China. Lot. 10, 20 years ago, high growth potential, you know? So like, you know, and I've met a few people that, you know, in Dubai and a few close friends that, you know, they got into these markets at the right time and, you know, there's no competition. It's blue ocean territory. Yeah, literally. They can really dominate. Obviously it's hard with regulation and there's more barriers to access and you're going to have to put more capital up front. But then once you do, you know, I've, having worked with a client that pretty much had no competition, Hmm. I saw firsthand, I've seen the potential of what that can do. And, you know, working in a market and obviously if you're a blue ocean strategy, which probably most of you watch this will, you know, you want to be working in markets where you can win, you know, like Naval Ravikant says, have specific knowledge, right? Specific skills and skill stacking. So, you know, that's kind of my aim. And I don't know, you know, life's a journey. I've been, you know, New York, Miami, Middle East, back to London and Dubai. I, I don't know what the future holds, but you know, I see. He's full of good quotes. I know, yeah. You've got a good voice for a podcast as well. I know, yeah. Got I a face for say, radio. I was going to say you got a face for radio, but <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm excited to see it. I've definitely learned a lot in this episode. Um, and I feel like we'll probably wrap it up there. Nice. I've learned a lot. I hope the viewers have. Um, I feel like this one thing I've started saying at the end of every episode now, which I'm going to keep saying is um, like, comment, subscribe, but I guess just listen to it wherever the fuck you want to listen to it. Mm. Whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Um, 
And yeah, this is episode five. We'll get to episode 50 and see if I'm consistent with this. But mm. every week, um, there's a shitload of guests actually lined up, to be fair. Um, I'm just enjoying the process of forcing myself to sit down and have conversations. It's like, yeah, p- people can't say no to a, coming on a podcast, whereas most people would say, like, fuck off. If you just said, come come and sit in my flat and speak to me about what you know about for like an hour and a half. Play FIFA. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I um, hope you enjoyed episode five and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers for watching. Peace. See you guys.